Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Hey, listen, we're one big family here, so turn to your neighbor, give them a high five, let them know you're glad to see them here today, and take your seats. Now, I know all of our locations have already done this, but I, I want to take a moment to recognize a special group of people, and that's those that are visiting us for the very first time. Come on, Radiant Church, can you help me welcome our first-time guests? We don't take it lightly that you woke up early in the morning to come worship with us here at Radiant Church. If you're church hopping... Let me just say, welcome home. You have found your home church. I want to take a moment to, to greet everyone. What's up, South Tampa? How are y'all doing? If you are tuning in online, go ahead and type in where you're watching from. What's up, St. Pete Heights? We got Clearwater, North Tampa, and last but not least, B-Town, Brandon. I'm glad you guys are doing great over there. You know, I want to take a moment to... Uh, to just honor our lead pastor, Aaron Burke. Can we just honor our lead pastor, Aaron and Katie? Uh, Elizabeth and I, man, it's, it's just awesome to be able to do life together with them. They actually live just a few blocks from us in Brandon. Um, but uh, it's, it's also awesome to have a front row seat in what God is doing in and through Radiant Church all across Tampa Bay. So we honor you, Pastor Aaron and Katie Burke. Appreciate you guys. Um, it seems like every time I get an opportunity to bring a message on a Sunday, I've had another kid. And I don't disappoint, guys. I've actually had another kid, literally. So uh, this is my family. My oldest is uh, Isabella, then Bethany, uh, then Lucas, my only boy. And we have Olivia. And then my newest addition, Victoria. We're actually calling her Rhea. And that's my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. Uh, she's doing great. You know, as uh, my, my infant is like chubby as can be, she's like, you know, she rolls around. It's awesome. It's great. Um, she's, she's great and healthy. Um, it seems like uh, I've noticed every time I present my family picture that, you know, people are saying to each other, hey, when are they going to stop? Like, <laughs> when, is, when, when is enough? And uh, let me just tell you, we're, we've agreed. That's it. No more. Like five that's it, no more. I officiated a wedding yesterday, and I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome to build into the vows, like, we will have no more than five kids or four kids? I mean, that would just provide so much clarity in a lot of marriages these days. Um, but I love the fact that we are going through a, a year of health as a church, and Pastor Aaron has done an incredible job bringing powerful messages on the heart of things. So if you miss any of the weeks, you can still catch them online on YouTube. The interesting thing about the heart is that our culture has come up with these common phrases that we use. Uh, here's, here's one that I haven't heard in a while. Cross your heart, hope to die. It sounds pretty morbid, that one. Um, how about this one? Eat your heart out. I'm not going to lie, that reminds me of Golden Corral, that one right there. <laughs> what about um, follow your heart? If you, don't, if you don't know where to follow, you, you know, you can follow your heart. Or, or from the bottom of my heart. For those of you that are indecisive, I mean, you can say all day, I've had a change of heart. Like, I've just changed my mind. Um, uh, what about having a heart of stone or a heart of gold or a poor one's heart out? How about this one? Uh, my heart skipped a beat. Sounds like a medical condition. You ought to get that checked out. Um, uh, what about, um, has anybody asked you, how's your heart? 
how's your heart doing today? I've never, you know, I could never know how to answer that. I don't know how my heart's doing. Check my, check my pulse. I don't know. Um, you know, it's funny. And our, our, those phrases are honestly an attempt for us to put into words what's happening in here. There was a season um, when my oldest, Isabella, was, uh, she, whenever she would get sick, her oxygen level would significantly decrease. So much so that it actually landed us in the ER a few times. So whenever she gets sick, we kind of monitor her oxygen. And, uh, you know, we would be, I would just be observing her. Oh, look, she, she's breathing normally. She's fine. But Elizabeth would come with this little thing. It's called an oximeter. And it would, she would put it on her finger, and it, it basically reveals where your oxygen level is. And we would notice that although she seemed like she was breathing normally, her oxygen level wasn't normal. It was actually low. And I wonder how many of us go throughout life thinking that our heart is okay. We're, we'll do fine. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I'll do fine. Yeah, I know this happened, but I'm okay. I, you know, I know that happened at work, but I'm okay. I know this is happening in my relationship, but I, you know what? I'm okay. And believe it or not, we think that we might be going through life normally, and we might seem normal, but it's a different story when you actually examine the heart. In fact, in, in fact God said that man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And so how is your heart doing today? And so to end this series, I thought, man, uh, I'd love to just talk about something that for some of us, if we don't address, it'll leave us with a lack of oxygen in our life. It'll leave us exasperated. It'll leave us hyperventilating and overwhelmed in every part in our life. And honestly, it actually has the potential to wreak havoc in several parts of your life. So today, we're going to be talking about a busy heart, a busy heart. You know, um, the, the joys of owning a home is that uh, there's always something to fix. Um, and, uh, and my home is, it, it, you know, it's not an exception. Uh, I have a really long honey-do list. And one of the things I love to do is I love to invite my kids to help. It's great because it's, a, it's another pair of hands and, and they get to learn something new. And I also get to spend time with my kids. And so there was this one day where I asked one of my oldest daughters, hey, can you come help me out with this? And she said, Dad, I can't. And I said, um, what, what do you mean you can't? She, she said, I'm busy. <laughs> and I said, uh, what, what, what do you mean you're, you're busy? She said, yeah, I have a lot of things to do today. And I'm like, you're seven years old. <laughs> like, you, you don't have a job. You don't have a car. You don't have a phone. And you don't have kids. In fact, wait a minute, you are a kid. What do you mean you cannot help me? And so, you know, oftentimes we're like my, my daughter. We, we don't, we're not forced to be busy. We actually choose to be busy. If you're honest with yourself, you know, uh, to be busy basically just means to be fully occupied. And, you know, it, I wondered how many times in our life do we say to God, you know what, God, I, I know you want to spend time with me, but I'm too busy. I'm too overwhelmed. I'm too focused in on something else in life. And there's an awesome, awesome verse in Proverbs 19.2. Here's what it, said. it says. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. 
I love how it starts off with desire. Isn't, how, isn't, isn't that how everything starts that gets onto our schedule? You know, that extra project, we take it on because we desire to have a promotion. Or, or we post the most on the gram because we desire for people to affirm us. Or, or we take on that extra job because we desire to have nicer things like our neighbors. Or, or we say yes to every invitation because we desire to be accepted by others. Or we adopt certain behaviors because we desire to keep up with the world's expectations. But I've learned that oftentimes our misaligned desires can come at a higher than anticipated cost. And this verse is teaching us this. Write it down on your notes. Blind desires will cause you to miss God's way. Don't buy into the blind desires that that are going to cause you to live out of a busy heart. You know, a big part of it has to do with us thinking that being busy is actually like a badge of honor. In fact, I, I, wonder, I wonder how many times we say, I'm busy today, or I'll, I'll be busy this week. And so, you know, you know what I thought of? I thought of the myths that we believe when it comes to being busy. And so I wrote some down. When you're busy, you get a lot done. How many know that? That's not necessarily the case. When you're busy, you don't let anyone down. Be honest with you, the people that have let me down in my life have been the ones that were too busy. Um, When you're busy, you're a role model for your peers. Oh, that's a big myth. Oftentimes when I see people living life busy, I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't want that. Like, that's not what I want. What about this one? When you're busy, you're keeping up with your responsibilities. Oftentimes... When you're busy, some of your responsibilities falls through the cracks. Or when you're busy, you're being the best spouse you can be. Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, just look at me straight ahead. Don't look to to your side. We'll get through this. Uh, When you're busy, you're being the best parent you can be. When you're busy, you're being the best leader you can be. When you're busy, you're living according to to your principles and priorities in life. And lastly... When you're busy, you're the most effective you can be. And oftentimes, you know, just saying those, they just sound like they're myths. Because we've all experienced times when we're busy, none of those things go right. Proverbs 21.5 says it this way, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who who is hasty, everyone who is in a hurry... Everyone who's rushing through life comes only to poverty. You know, if you're in a place where you feel like you've been living out of a busy heart, I want to encourage you and let you know that things can change, that the rest of your life doesn't have to look like your, your life is right now. God can change it. And some of you are sitting here, and you're like, man, I don't know if I have a busy heart or not. I might be having a diligent heart, not a busy heart. Well, I'm going to share with you a few signs of a busy heart. The, the first thing is that a busy heart creates stress. If you find yourself in normal places, stressed out, just think about it. I mean, if you're not a paramedic just trying to bring somebody back to life, if you're like in Starbucks and you're like stressed out, then think about it. Ask yourself, am I living a busy life? A busy heart cancels joy. 
You know, for some reason, unfortunately for us, the only time we experience joy is when we're on vacation or we're doing something exciting. But for some reason, we can't experience joy after work when you're sitting on the couch with your kids. It's hard for you to experience joy. Maybe that's the sign you're living out of a busy heart. What about this? It crushes productivity. So if you notice, I tried to keep them all seized. So crushes is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Like it crushes, like it decreases productivity. I need to clarify that. Um, and crushes productivity basically means that when you're, when you're doing so much, but you look at the fruit, you look at the byproduct, and you're like, man, that doesn't compare to all the time, effort, and sometimes even stress I put into this. And next is, is a busy heart corrodes connection. It corrodes your connection with your spouse, your connection with your kids. Maybe you're dating, it, you know, it might, it might corrode that, that connection. Um, just ask yourself, man, how, how, how are my connections? Are they being corroded by the fact that I'm living life a busy way? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says this. It says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. I, I love how sometimes uh, some, of, some of our most meaningful moments are moments where they, they didn't cost a lot. Like some of the most meaningful moments in my life, it wasn't a vacation. It was, it was just a, a, you know, a random dinner with my wife or um, a walk in, in, our, in our backyard. So don't discount certain moments because, oh, man, they're, that's just, I can, yeah, I can do that. I can go to that work trip. I can go here. You don't know what you might be missing out on. A busy heart also keeps me from hearing God. When was the last time you were in the car, maybe reading the Bible or listening to a worship song, and God spoke to you in a powerful way? When was the last time you took a walk or were in a workout and God just spoke to you through his word? Or maybe you were reading the Bible app or going through the whole Bible as a church. When was the last time God, you said, man, that is a word for me today? I remember taking a short uh, road trip. And I, I'm, I usually drive often, but sometimes Elizabeth and I, we kind of take turns. And, um, and I, I'm not going to lie, she, had, she drives faster than I do. I mean, she has a heavy foot. <laughs> She has a, not, not literally heavy, but you know what I mean? Like she's, she drives fast. Um, and uh, we were driving back um, from a trip um, and, you know, I, you know, I'm a slower driver than she, uh, she is. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm being a law-abiding citizen. I'm going by the flow of traffic. And she turns to me and says, you're, you're driving too fast. I said, excuse me, what? I'm driving fast. She's like, yeah, you're. You're, you're driving too fast. In fact, you're driving so fast that it's almost like a felony. And I was like, me a felon? What is going on? And it was, it was shocking. It was weird because people were passing me at this speed. And what I learned was this. Don't increase your pace because of another person's speed. Some of you need to hear that you are not them. They are not you. You don't have the same upbringing. You're not in the same stage they're in. You don't have the same kids. You're not married to the same spouse. You're not in the same phase in dating. You cannot look at other people's speed. Don't increase your pace because of another person's speed. And uh, 
The next point is this. God didn't create you to live busy. He really didn't. And so uh, my hope is that after this message, um, you would slow down a little bit and go according to God's pace. The first thing that'll help you if you're living out of a busy heart is to simplify, to simplify. Oh, man. Simplifying is very difficult. It's hard for us to stay simple. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, distractions must be conquered or they will conquer us. So let us cultivate simplicity. Let us walk in the spirit. Notice he used the word cultivate. Cultivate is, is not just really quickly. It's actually cultivating something is basically developing something. There's a process involved with that. You have to be able to cultivate simplicity. It's not easy, partly because you and I, we're not easily content. Like, we're really not. In fact, uh, Paul writes to the Philippian church in Philippians 4.11. He says this, uh, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Let me tell you, if uh, the person that wrote part of your Bible has to tell you that he had to learn something, then we need to just pay attention to that. We have to be able to learn that in every situation we can be content. I love it. So a practical way to do that is to learn how to say no. Oh, man. Isn't that difficult? It's difficult to say no. You know, saying no is helpful because without learning how to say no, you cannot simplify your life. You won't be able to. And I know that some of you, like, you don't like to, you don't like to disappoint so what you do whenever somebody invites you somewhere, instead of saying no, even though you know that it's a no, you say, you know what, let me get back to you. Can I text you later on tomorrow? I'll let you know later. Even though you know now that it's a no. I get it. I understand. Some of you, you feel uncomfortable letting people down by saying no. So I thought to have a little fun, how about we all go through say no training this morning? What do you guys think? Yeah, we're going to help you. We want to help you. We want to help you develop that say no response. All right, so here's how it's going to work. Whenever I ask you something, just say aloud no. All right, you guys got it? That's good. You already got it. Look, quick people up here. That's great. All right. Uh, do you want to get a chicken sandwich from McDonald's? No. All right. That's good. Uh, do you want to train for a triathlon with me? No, that's right. Uh, do you want to be a part of this multi-level marketing scheme? No. That's good. All right, this one's a little tricky. Some of you may, be, may say yes. Do you want to watch all six seasons of Downton Abbey? No. Come on. All right. Do you want to help me pick out a new Android phone? No. no. All right. Lastly, do you want to go with me to pick out a new pet cat? No. Good. You guys did it. Great job. Give yourselves a hand. You guys did good. You passed the test. You know, it's hard for us to stay simple because it's hard for us to stay still. We just can't stay still. You know, for some reason, you feel like you have to say yes to everything and everyone. And that's our next point. God didn't call us to say yes to everything and everyone. He called us to say yes to him. Yeah. What's helped me say no 
over the years is realizing that whenever I say yes, I'm saying no to something else. A good question to ask yourself, man, if I say yes to this, what could I be saying no to? If I say yes to a third job, I might be saying no to date nights with my wife. If I say yes to that work party, I might be saying no to that soccer game with my kid. If I say yes to a new position at work that requires more travel, I might be saying no to family dinners three times a week. Oftentimes, the money or the opportunity or the open door is not worth the moments that you trade off. So be sure to learn to say no. Second thing is slow down. Slow down. Tell your neighbors, slow down. Slow down, slow down. I have a question for you. When was the last time you drove the speed limit? Oh, hold on a second. Let me, let, me just, let me just make sure you understand the question. If it's, going, if it's the speed limit's 45, that you weren't going 50, that you were going 45 or under. Like, when was the last time you drove the speed limit? I know some of you here, so let me just, you guys feel too comfortable. Let me ask it a different way. When was the last time you drove the speed limit without law enforcement around? <laughs> Be honest. Be honest. You know, and you know what's crazy is that oftentimes you live how you drive. You live fast. And, and that's not what God's called you to do. And what happens is that if we don't slow down, we start to miss out on important moments in our lives. So I want to encourage you today, don't rush into moving in with that person. Do it God's way, get married, and go slow. Don't rush into that mortgage. How's your budget first? Write down your budget. Uh, don't rush into that relationship. How's your relationship with God? Don't rush into that new job. Why don't you pray first? Don't rush into that, making that big decision. Slow down. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this. It says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Uh, when, when we first got married, uh, you know, I, I knew Elizabeth wanted a lot of kids. Um, so, so we decided, you know, let's take a trip that we probably won't be able to take the five kids to. And so we went to Europe. It was our first time. It was awesome. It was a 12-day trip. It was great. And um, the, the only thing is we, we visited four different countries in that trip. We visited Italy, Croatia, Spain, and France. On top of that, it was um, within those countries, we visited uh, 13 cities in 12 days. It's crazy. So we visited Venice, Split, Naples, Capri, Pompeii, Rome, Vatican, uh, Pisa, Florence, Toulon, Barcelona, Paris, and Versailles. I can't even remember. I have to literally look at my notes <laughs> to find out where we went. Um, and I remember not too long ago, uh, we're sitting on the couch watching, you know, those shows that they, they feature a new city and stuff. And we're sitting down watching the, one of those shows. And there was a show that was featured. There was a city that was featured. And I thought, man, that's awesome. And I told Elizabeth, hey, we ought to visit that place. And she turned to me and said, we did. <laughs> I said, when did we do that? She said, yeah, I remember the European, the, the, the trip that we went to Europe. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think it was the fact that we were, we were moving so fast. I hardly remember it all. You know, there was a moment where we were literally rushing to the ship, like we were running to the ship because we were, they, it was about to go without us, and we, we walked by the, um, the personnel, the ship personnel, and as soon as we walked by him, he literally disconnected from the dock, closed the door, and the engines were started. Like, we almost missed the ship. Let me just be honest with you, it was stressful. It was fun, but it was stressful. And I discovered something that it's hard to make memories when you're on the move. It's just very difficult to make memories when you're on the move. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after the wind. Have you ever felt like you've been striving after the wind? You know, uh, there, it reminds me of a quote from Abraham Lincoln, really, really good quote. He said, I'm a slow walker, but I never walk back. Isn't that good? You know, and uh, I, I've, I, I've told Elizabeth this, maybe we should go back to some of those cities and really enjoy them. We literally have to do it all over again because it was so fast. And I think for us, sometimes it's like washing dishes. If you wash dishes really quickly, you go to get a clean one and it's like, oh, it's still dirty. You didn't clean it well enough. There's there's a, a Spanish quote that I heard when I was, when I was younger. It goes like this, Visteme despacio que voy de, de prisa, which, which basically comes from, it actually originates from uh, Napoleon Bonaparte when um, his, his helpers would be dressing him, and he said, dress me slowly because I'm in a hurry. Because oftentimes the best way to go fast is to slow down to slow down. So a practical way to do this is to select a Sabbath. In the week, just select a Sabbath. A Sabbath is a day of rest. It's actually commanded by God. He, he created this. this is, you know, the day off was not our idea, guys. It was God's. And he created this because he knew that work could get in the way of your relationship with him. He knew that if you didn't take a day off, you would fall apart. And he knew that also that work has the potential to be an idol in your life. You can call work productivity or, or you know, just production. It can be an idol in your life. In fact, he, he was so serious about this that he actually modeled this. In your, in your Bible, it says in Exodus 20, 11, it says this, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Listen, I can't guarantee that if you go to armature work, that trip is going to be blessed. I can't guarantee that if you go to Disney or Universal, it's going to be blessed. But the Bible says that if you take a Sabbath, God will bless it. Isn't that awesome? That's great. And so for some of us, we need to just be intentional about our Sabbath day. I think part of it, too, is um, I'm, I'm actually a three on the Enneagram. Um, so part of it is that we want to make a big difference everywhere we're at. Um, we we want to be able to have a successful product at work. We want to be able to perform uh, better than everyone else is somewhere else. We, we want to be able to change the world. But just remember, while you're trying to change the world, remember that God created it and he still took a day off. So if he can take a day off, 
you can too. Select a Sabbath. The, th- the third one is this. This is my last one. Seek God. I mean, just throughout this whole series, of, we talked about, Pastor Aaron talked about a broken heart, a bitter heart, a bewildered heart, and even a busy heart today. Just seek God throughout your challenges. You know, I think part of it is that oftentimes we are trying to either put out a fire in our life so we rush out to just fix the situation. Or we notice, man, we're behind here. Our, our, you know, my brother or my, my sister or my friend or my coworker is all the way up there. They're way ahead of me. So let me go ahead and rush to this area and be able to catch up. And then, oh, man, but I want to do this. I eventually want to do this. So you rush here. And, and before you know it, it's like a vicious cycle that you're rushing everywhere. But what I've decided is that when I'm in those seasons, I've decided that only God can help my marriage like I, I can never do. Only God can open doors in my finances that I couldn't do by myself. Only God can fix that issue with my health like I could never do or my doctors could never do. Sometimes you got to take a moment and say, okay, there's limitations to me, but I know that God has no limitations, so I'm going to depend on him. Come on, church. Can you give God a praise for that? He can do more on your day of rest than you can do while you're working. I love that. And so a practical way to seek God is to prioritize time with God daily. You know, prioritize time daily. You know, there are certain things in your day that like you can't go without. Maybe it's that favorite Starbucks drink. You just just start off the day with it. Maybe it's the workout. Maybe it's a show or a podcast. Um, There's certain things that you do every single day that oh man, like without this, my day is not complete. For some of us, it's, a spe- you know, lunch. Like there's no way we can miss lunch. Uh, you know, and uh, what if that part of your day was actually time with God? Was actually time with God to where you just, you just went to God in prayer? Because time with God is never time wasted. It never is. So in your prayer time, he will guide you in your finances. In your prayer time, he'll tell you what to do in your marriage. In your prayer time, he will lead you as you parent your kids. If you're single right now in your prayer time, he'll lead you to the right person to marry. In your prayer time, for some of you, you have a big calling over your life. You just don't know, you don't know what your next step is. Let me tell you, alone time with God, God will lead you in your next step. There's a quote that says, we live by principles, not by pressure. And you know, my prayer for you today is that you would live by the principle of seeking God daily. We started off this uh, sermon with Proverbs 19.2. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Maybe you're in a place where you're living out of a busy heart. God can change that today. He can. Titus 2, 11 says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives 
in the present age. You know, in Christ, there's salvation, there's blessing, there's guidance, there's direction, there's wisdom, and he can guide you. Now, there was a season where it was overwhelming for me. Um, we, uh, we had just got, we had gotten married and we had purchased our, our first home, which was, um, I was very excited about. Then we had a, had a child. We had our first, Isabella. And, um, and I thought, man, this is, this is great. And so at the time, I was heavily involved in ministry, in student ministry. Uh, but I was also, um, had a full-time job in corporate. So I was a, I was a manager in corporate America. And I thought, you know what, that's not, that's not enough. I, I need to do something else. So I enrolled in, in seminary, in graduate studies. And, um, and, you know, I thought, man, all of these things are good, so I'm good. All of these things are great, so, I mean, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And there was a, a night when I started realizing that even though I was involved in all of these things, I wasn't doing any of them right. I wasn't doing any of them well. And at that moment, I had a a full-on panic attack. I had chills, um, chest pain. My heart was accelerating. I had nausea. And I had the inability to relax or physically stay still. It was a horrible feeling. And uh, Elizabeth, you know, being the caring wife that she is, she was trying to fix it. She was trying to help, and she didn't. She realized, I can't, I can't even control myself, and she can't help me. At that moment, she felt helpless. And so she collapsed on the floor. She was weeping. It was a sad sight uh, in the Tavares home at that moment because we had a baby in another room. She was weeping. I was just having a panic attack. Um, and, I, and I remember looking at her while all this is happening to my body. I remember looking at her weeping, and I felt like a failure felt like a failure as a father I couldn't even hold my baby I felt like a failure as a husband I felt like a failure as a student and even as a leader in corporate America I was I felt like a failure and uh, at that moment uh, I couldn't do anything else I just I cried out to God and I and I said God I'm, I may be a failure but I know you're not. And at that moment, my panic turned into praise. And I realized, give God a praise for that. I realized that night, I learned something that night that I hope that you receive today. And that's that although you may have failed, he won't. Although you may have failed in that marriage, he won't. Although you may have failed in that season with your finances, let me tell you, God won't. Although your health may fail, can I just say, God won't. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on, I'm gonna invite you to stand. Can we take a moment? to worship God today because even though our bodies may fail, even though our life may fail, even though there's certain things, certain seasons where we fail, can I just say that God won't. Come on, let's worship today.
out of a life of brokenness, a heart of bitterness, of bewilderment, or of busyness. You've been trying to do it on your own, on your own merit, with your own power, with your own ability, and you've been relying on yourself too much. And your next step is just to surrender to God like I did that one night. The beautiful thing about surrendering to God is that you're realizing your limits, but recognizing that he has no limits and that God can bring you through whatever it is. And so as an expression of surrender, I'm gonna invite you to lift your hands up like this and we're gonna go to God in prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. We're gonna invite God into those areas of our life that we've been trying to fix on our own, but they need the hand of God to change it all around. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you that although we may fail in certain seasons and certain relationships and even in, in our job in one way or another, you will never fail. And we can, we can count on you. You are a faithful God. And so we invite your wisdom and direction and blessing and open doors. We invite all of that to come from you. Every good gift comes from your hand, and we're recognizing that today. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, there's a second group of people, and that's those that have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior over their lives. I just wanna say that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You're not here by accident, but sin has separated you from God. In fact, the Bible says that the debt of sin is death. But the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And he didn't stay in the tomb because on the third day he rose from the dead. He conquered death, death sin, and the grave. And the Bible says that if you would put your faith in him, if you would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior over your life, you will receive eternal life in a relationship with your Father in heaven. At the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if you wanna make that decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior over your life. One, two, three, raise your hand. I see those hands, God bless you. I see that hand to the left and to the right. God bless you, it's a big decision. Go ahead and slip your hand back down. Let's all say this prayer together. Come on, let's all say it. Say, dear Jesus, today I decide to make you Lord and Savior over my life. Forgive my past, my present, and my future. Today, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate life change happening all across campus Bay? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 